Welcome to Horror and More with Anya Gore. I am your horror mistress, Anya. And today I have a very special Canadian guest, somebody from my same city. I've got Vicky from Sass and Slaughter, which is absolutely a great name. Welcome, Vicky. Hi, Anya. Thank you. Your name is what caught my eye first, and then I started following you, and I was like, ooh, she does makeup. Ooh, she does special effects. Oh, my God, <laughs> she's in film. What? Yeah, yeah. So, Vicky mm-hmm. started out in the performing arts, and you went to makeup school, and then yes. you landed your first job in film while you were in school. Is that right? I did, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that's so exciting. It's it's actually funny, it wasn't even related to school at all. Um, I was working at a cafe at the time, and one of my regular customers was a makeup artist, and I didn't know that until I mentioned to her that I was in makeup school, and she's like, oh, I'm a makeup artist too. And then, you know, a few months later, she had a, a job lined up that I could take, and I, I took it. <laughs> Amazing. That must have been mm-hmm. scary, especially if you were in school at the time. Oh, it's so scary because you you know what? I would recommend school to anybody that's getting into makeup because there's just things you can't learn on your own, but it does not set you up for a career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know people that have gone on, gone into makeup mm-hmm. wanting to specialize getting into film and doing special effects, but it seems like the window or maybe even the pool of people mm-hmm. in Vancouver actively working is very small. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a very saturated industry, I find, and it's getting harder and harder to get into the union. Um, not, you want to know what, I shouldn't say harder. It's just, there's more and more days added every few years that you have to have to get into the union. And I think in the long run, that's good. Um, because it is hard. Film work is hard. It's not, you know, you're not going to work for two hours and then leaving. Sometimes you're there for 15 hours and, you know, it's not always the best conditions. And I think that the union knows that the productions that are hiring makeup artists need to have people that are ready for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would be going from having an actor or director never having done it before and then walking in and suddenly 15 hours later they are beyond drained because yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would only imagine. Mm -hmm. So you currently, you seem very busy. (laughs) You seem to have a whole bunch of balls up in the air, but yeah, you're yeah. you're working in fi- in independent films. You're mm-hmm. a freelance character artist, which mm-hmm. we have to come back to that. Um, you have also opened up a boudoir studio. Is that right? Yes. With yeah. your friend and a photographer, Amber Teresa. Am I saying that right? Yeah. 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 And so you were doing makeup and styling. How do you get through your day with all of these things? That's a lot. I, I like to be busy. <laughs> okay. Um, I have always had a lot of things on the go before I decided what I wanted to do with my time. I used to work two or three jobs. Um, mm. I mean, some of it obviously was to get by, but a lot of it is just I, I like to be busy. I think that's what appeals to me about film mm. is it keeps you it keeps you busy. It keeps you on your toes. Um 
and uh, yeah, I just, I like to be busy. <laughs> what well, also sounds like you like to be creative because all of those different are very different avenues of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I love it. I love it. You seem, yeah, in all of your posts, it, and we'll obviously, all of your socials will be linked in this episode. And for anybody listening, please go check out Vicky because it's a, it's a nice variety. It's not just within one genre and Mm -hmm. it really lets you spread your wings. I hope so. (laughs) So talk to me, what is a character artist? Talk about this. You know, I think for me, I think character art- artistry is a lot different for me than what it is for some people. Um, I like the idea of, of like for film, for instance, I like the idea of each, each character in a film has things about them or things about their environment that you can very much bring forward with makeup that you can't bring forward with um, anything else. Um, So specifically, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the Hunger Game films before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But a lot of the characters in there, they really, the way that the, the, um, oh my goodness, I can't remember the name of the, the city. Um, Oh yeah, where the, where the, here, let me look it up. Mm-hmm. But the contrast between... You're talking the, about where, where they're fighting? Yeah, yeah. Like, the contrast between where where they live and the city where, you know, the rich and powerful people live is so different. And I love how they bring that forward with the cinematography, where everything's kind of, like, bland in... Um, Oh, sorry, it's the capital. That's what it is. The capital, um, yeah, because she's in District yeah. 12. Yeah, so everything's kind of bland in the districts and, like, very old school. Um, you can tell it's very different. And then when you go to the capital, everything's a little bit more colorful and cheery. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's really brought forward in the character and the way that they use the makeup in the film. So, like, for instance, like, Elizabeth Banks' character and Stanley Tucci, you can really tell that they are part of the capital because of the way that they look and to me that's the that's the basis on what I would say character makeup is for me okay um I like the idea of bringing somebody's entire being out in their makeup and in their hairstyling and just when when you see that character you know that they are who they are um yeah, the and Elizabeth also, Banks character is such a good example of that. Anybody who's so ever much. seen any of those movies instantly, you can picture the vibrant colors and hairstyles and clothing. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. It's like she was like the queen of the capital, right? So, or the figurehead, I should say. Um, yeah, the representative, or I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. And like when I was in school too, we were always encouraged to come up with a backstory for all of our makeup. Um, and then have whatever character we created with our makeup really um, bring that backstory to light. So I think that's always interested me in terms of of my career and where I want to go eventually with it. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So you also mentioned that you started off in performing arts. 
Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear what this means to you and okay. what you did. So when I moved down here, I moved here in 2007 and I had no idea what I was doing with my life. Like, um, I didn't really, I had, uh, another career path in mind before, um, and I wasn't really satisfied with it. So when I moved here, I just kind of wanted to try different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the group of people that I was involved with at the time were in a drag collective, like a drag troupe. Cool. Um, so I started kind of just like, you know, helping them out with events and stuff like that. And then eventually, um, they talked me into getting on stage myself. And, uh, I love this. I love where this is going. Sorry. Yeah. Don't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I am very, like, part of the reason why makeup artistry um, appeals to me is I'm a very behind-the-scenes kind of person, uh, so getting on stage was very nerve-wracking for me, but I also knew that I had to try it, you know? Like, I had to see what it was like and know if it wasn't something that I wanted to do that I actually didn't want to do it, not because it terrified me. Mm-hmm. So I tried it and I, you know, we performed a lot at um, just like events, like like for Pride and stuff like that. And then we had, we hosted a few of our own events as well. And when we had our own events, um, I did burlesque in, um, during our performances. So we, we, for instance, we had like a circus themed show once Mm -hmm. and we had all of the drag kings kind of had their own um parts to play in like the circus performance and I uh decided that I was going to do burlesque routine but of course because of my interests it couldn't be anything but a little bit gory so I did uh um not not a conjoined twin but uh was a parasitic twin Oh my goodness. Um, I love that idea. Wow. To go from being behind the scenes to doing that? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's impressive. I will tell you, I I performed solo only three times with the group. The rest of the time were group performances. And it was the most terrifying thing that I've ever done. Um, The first time I was on stage, I performed at, I don't know if you remember, The Odyssey. Oh, yeah. Um, I loved but, the Odyssey. Yeah, I, me too. It was the greatest, greatest bar. Um, uh, for anyone who doesn't know it, it was, it's not around anymore, I don't believe, is it? No, I don't no. think so. It was one of the very few gay bars in downtown Vancouver, and it was around from a long time ago. So before a lot of people got to social media and before awareness has become more socially accepted and inclusivity has become a much larger thing. So the Odyssey is kind of a staple for the gay community mm-hmm. in, in a very specific area in downtown Vancouver, which I guess would be considered the gay district. Um, and I, yeah, I loved going there to watch the drag shows. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, my first performance was there uh, it was kind of solo. I had three of our uh, the other drag kings on stage with me just as kind of buffers and to use them as props in it. I uh, My first time performing was to Pussy Liquor by Rob Zombie. Oh, amazing. And 
I do not remember being on stage. It was like, it, it all was a whirlwind and it happened so fast and then it was over. And I'm like, did I just do that? And was it good? I don't know, but I did it. <laughs> good for you. That must have yeah. been tough because if you're a behind the scenes person mm-hmm. and not only are you on stage, but you're doing you're doing it with a parasitic twin mm-hmm. and there must have been blood involved like yeah the parasitic twin was for a different um performance mm. but i think i had blood involved in the first one too i'm not too sure there was Amazing. murder i know there was there was murder, murder. <laughs> there was there was murder yeah <laughs> i love it i love it i i wish i could have seen these performances do you have video footage um, there might be video footage of the first one, but I would have to get in contact with somebody that I performed with then. And that was, oh my goodness, some years ago now. <laughs> well, if you ever find it, you have to send it to me. I will for sure. I love Actually, it. I would like to see it and see how I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you going to look back on that and feel cringy? Or are you going to look back and be, be proud of yourself? Proud. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So did that, being in that environment then, that that sort of really get your juices going about wanting to get into special effects? You know, it really did. I was involved with a group of people that were all very creative and all um, very much into stage and, and um, theatrics and stuff like that. So I think I just... I've always been into makeup. In fact, it was something that I wanted to do when I was younger, but because of where I was living at the time, I didn't really see it as being a feasible career option. Mm. Um, So it wasn't until I was here where I was just like, oh, wow, like I want to do this. And, you know, of course, like a lot of the time when you're on stage and it's low budget, you're doing your own makeup and you're doing your own, you know, special effects and all that kind of stuff. So um yeah it definitely piqued my interest in what it made me want to explore for further anyways yeah well that's amazing it Mm -hmm. i don't know if you believe in you know kismet or fate or being guided or anything but Mm -hmm. it it does sound sort of like things aligned in a very organic way for you yeah i absolutely agree with that because i was actually not even supposed to move to vancouver when i moved here i was supposed to move to calgary (gasps) Whoa. I think my life would have been very different had I have chosen that path. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, especially going into this industry of for anybody who's not Canadian doesn't know. Calgary is in Alberta and Alberta is very conservative Mm -hmm. (laughs) and very. I can't imagine. I mean, there's probably going to be a bit of, you know, a drag and trans environment there, but nothing like in Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> very, no, very I, different. I don't think I would have ever been introduced to the type of culture I was introduced to when I moved here in Calgary. I don't, it yeah. would have completely changed my path completely. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. I love hearing when things organically happen like that and it gets you to a really good spot. Yes. Yes. Well, that's, I love that. So then you went to school and mm-hmm. then you've been working in film you're doing that so how did that translate into your makeup experience and this boudoir endeavor you have with this photographer um let's see i 
I'm not sure exactly how it... I feel like for me, it was very, um, it was a very natural uh, transition for me to work in boudoir um, because I do, I wouldn't say I personally have a burlesque background because I've only done it a few times, but it's something that I was always interested in. Mm -hmm. um, and I always had, I've always had a knowledge of like lingerie and um, I love vintage lingerie. I love um, honestly, I love vintage pornography. Okay. Um, what, and what does vintage mean to you? Like what era? Um, I would say like, I would say going way back even before, you know, quote unquote magazines, nudie magazines were around, um, oh, going wow. back to do like the original boudoir photos and stuff. Um, that were, the, the, I just don't even think that they're, they're found anymore. I think a lot of where I learned about them was from magazines like Hustler and Playboy and stuff, just reading about stuff, but it was always something that interested me. Mm -hmm. um, so once I was doing makeup, I feel like transitioning to boudoir was very, like you would say, organic for me. Um, and the photographer that I'm working with at the time, she was uh, considering doing boudoir. And I just um, said, hey, like, I would love to do makeup for that. And she's like, well, like, what do you think about joining forces and going into business together? And I, I left in. It was, it, it just, it felt natural to me to just go, go ahead and do it. So. Well, that's amazing because it sounds like yet another avenue that you have this interest in and you get to explore and mm -hmm. do as part of your career. That is awesome. Yeah. Do you feel a duality between what you do when you do special effects and your love for the dark and then doing stuff like the the makeup for boudoir shoots? I absolutely do. Um, we try and with our studio, we wanted to do something obviously different than than what, you know, everybody else is doing. And um, for me, like you know, horror and special effects and makeup is part, very much a part of my life. And my business partner, um, has always been a very big supporter of me mm -hmm. and what I do and always very interested in what I can create with makeup. Um, so we hope to eventually, uh, like integrate that into some of our photography and uh, like, you know, we've brought in some vampire teeth and blood specifically for the studio and we want to kind of dabble into what we can offer for clients that aren't into typical boudoir. So lovely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wish I found you guys when I was pregnant with my second. I was trying to do a Rosemary's Baby themed maternity shoot, and I I got turned down left left right and center. Oh man, I love that movie. Oh, <laughs> it's my favorite one. <laughs> it's it's great. I um, yeah yeah. I w I would have loved to do the makeup for that, anyways. Right. Yeah. Just the visual idea of that a pregnant mm -hmm. lady with a big belly and then holding the knife like. Love yeah. it. Love it. Yeah. I love it. So talk about your special effects element. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, what's your experience with it? What are your goals? What what do you prefer the most out of all of that? Out of out of all of the like, what types of work that I do? Or? Yeah, because special effects can can be such a range, right? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite part of it? Um, for me, uh, I really prefer your very authentic um, gore and special effects. So I like, honestly, it was my dream for a really long time to work on like a medical show or, you know, um, CSI or something like that, where I could like do really super realistic um, just work, you know, I love, Mm. I love looking at medical journals and just trying to recreate, um, looks and cadavers and stuff like that so I think I, I would definitely range more towards the the natural not natural but like more authentic kind of special effects rather than um monster makeup for me which is funny because I actually thought that I would really really enjoy creating monsters mm-hmm. and I like to put them on a face and I like to paint them but in terms of sculpting and stuff and I thought I was going to like it more but I think I like the application process a lot more okay do you do you work with a lot of um this is my (laughs) non-knowledge of special effects makeup Mm -hmm. because I don't know very much about it but when you're you know I I follow some special effects makeup artists and they they create these wounds out of it looks like a putty yeah it's a scar wax yeah, do you do things like that? Um, I can. You can. I haven't. Mm. I haven't done a lot of it as of recently. Mm-hmm. Um, this this year actually, it's funny because, um, I mean, obviously the last couple of years has been kind of weird for everybody work wise in the industry and everything. So, um, before twenty twenty, I was working a lot more in, I'd say like lifestyle films, kind of. Um, okay and doing a lot of that. I've been really fortunate to um, connect with directors and producers that like my work and continue to hire me on. Um, But also too, like when I first started in the industry, special effects was what I wanted to do. When I first went to school, I didn't even want to take beauty. Hmm. Um, I only wanted to do special effects and then they said, if you want to be in film, the best way is to take the full program. So I took the full program and I ended up like liking both, which is actually kind of good because it got me my first jobs going into the industry. Um, so it hasn't been until this year where I've really been able to focus on trying to create my brand of what I want to do with the rest of my career. Um, because I feel specifically with us having a boudoir business now, I feel like I get my beauty and glamour out of my system for that, you know? So I Mm -hmm. kind of want to dive more into just taking special effects jobs and horror and, you know, thrillers and stuff like that. So I'm hoping to, yeah, get a lot more of that. Well, it's such a good time because horror is, oh, at the forefront of film right now mm-hmm. and it's everywhere and we've got you know with Lionsgate around here and stuff there's just such a, a higher demand it seems 
Mm-hmm. So hopefully, who knows? Maybe the Bloom House will come in here and they'll be like, you? Yeah, 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 you, Vicky, you come over. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I necessarily support a lot of their endeavors, but just to work in the environment, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I, I'm the same way. I agree with you there. I don't necessarily, well, I shouldn't shoot myself in the foot right now, but um, it would be crazy to work for them regardless of how I feel about some of their productions. But um, yeah, it's right now it's just about me transitioning my portfolio to um, reflect what I want to do. Um I mean, obviously, I want to continue on with film, but it's kind of on the back burner for me right now. Uh, with, like, our, our business is still fairly young. We just opened it up only a year ago. So um, I really want to focus on taking the film jobs that I want to do instead yeah. of having to, you know, just take everything to get my hours. I don't know... Um, how much you know about the makeup union, but in order for us to get into the union, we have to have 200 days uh, on set in order to apply. Is there, um, is there, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Yes. Yeah. Is there it, a, it is a time well. limit for you to complete that? There's no time limit. I know some people that have done it in a couple of years. I know some people that have done it in five years. Yeah. Um, I think it really just depends on how much time you can set aside to taking as many jobs as you can. Um, for me, like I started really thinking about it in like 2019. At first I was very uh, on the fence about whether or not I wanted to go into union because I'm kind of, I love doing indie films. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately they're not, uh, it's not consistent enough work. Right. Um, so, you know, generally, if you're in the union, you're, you're kind of guaranteed some consistent work and you're, you know, on the, on the level of where you're going to get hired over people that aren't in the union. Um, yeah, that makes but sense. But it's just getting there, right? Yeah, that's so. a tall order. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially for people that also need money to live. <laughs> Yeah, during yeah. all of this time, do they do they allow you to put um, unpaid hours towards that, or does it oh absolutely, to... oh absolutely. Least... okay, yeah, well that's yeah, good. It's, it's all set days, so um, they can be student films, they can be independent films. I mean, hopefully you'll get some union films in there as well, but it's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, as long as it's two hundred days and you can provide them with all of your call sheets and your your resume and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I took a look at your, at your online uh, website and, and your resume mm-hmm. there, and it looks like you were well on your way to that though. So that's I, good. I think so. Yeah. I, my website is a mess right now. Thank you for taking a look at it. Oh, I thought it looked great. <laughs> oh, thank you. I just, I, I'm so, it's not a mess. I'm just like, I'm so far behind on putting more things on there. My, my resume is behind it's just you get ahead of yourself and yeah next thing you know you have to put five more films on that you don't remember who you worked with (laughs) and all that kind of stuff so well and I mean that's the thing unless you're taking detailed notes from that many movies ago oh Mm -hmm. that's got to be tough to remember everything yes it is yeah (laughs) 
You know, it's it's funny that you say that. Uh, yesterday, I had a shoot with my main photographer, and mm-hmm. we were laughing at ourselves because we forgot to bring wipes, and I was bloody head to toe, head to toe. Oh, you gotta have the baby and, wipes. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> but it's funny when you've done something so many times, you know better. But yeah. being a creative, you just don't think about those things. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to remember for next time, I swear. And then do you remember for next time? Fuck no. <laughs> I am a big advocate of, of note writing. I write myself notes and stuff everywhere because I'm the same way. I'll forget everything and it will usually be the baby wipes. So <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe yeah. it. I was I had to walk around with literally head to toe, just dripping in blood. I sat in the mm. car and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope you had a towel. <laughs> no, no. I had, to, <laughs> I had to use part of my costume to wipe it off myself. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but uh, I know. Eh, the things we do for our craft, right? Oh, absolutely. So you said you moved here from Vancouver. We're at, to- and, or sorry, to Vancouver. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, we're, and you said it wasn't really feasible for you to do this kind of work where you were from. So where do, are you okay with sharing, you know? Oh, you, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I moved down here. I actually was originally from Vancouver. Okay. Um, we moved from Vancouver when I was nine. And we spent some time in the Okanagan. And then when I was 15, we moved up to Dawson Creek up north. Oh. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was there until I moved back down to Vancouver in 2007. So how far, remind me, how far is Dawson Creek from here? Oh, it's so far. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think it's like a, I want to say it's like an 18 hour drive. Whoa. Um, About that, I'd have to ask a friend who does it often, but um, yeah. So not just a quick skip and a hop away. (laughs) No, no. Like if you ever wanted to come down here for a concert, it's either like when you're a kid, like you're taking a 24 hour bus ride to get there. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I forget how big BC is sometimes. Right? (laughs) Yeah, it's It's, huge. It's so long. Yes, very long. Yeah. I know. I know. But okay, so you were from, well, no wonder, Dawson Creek, for anybody knowing, it's not Dawson's Creek from the movie. Um, it is a smaller town. Would it be considered a town or a city? I don't know. I, you know, I'm not sure. I, I would consider it a town. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pop- it's smaller. Population-wise, it's small. It's yeah. small. And yeah. it's it's uh, north of Vancouver and... Um, it's more surrounded by, as horror fans would love it, the woods. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine visually, oh, it would be so inspiring to be up there. You film. know, it. it is, I haven't been up there for a lot of years, um, but when I was living there, I will say, if I was older um, when I was there, I think I would have appreciated it more. Mm. Um, it's definitely nice country, um, you know, but (laughs) not thriving for somebody who wants to get into makeup. Yeah. Yeah. And also too, it it was just very different being like, I, as again, I'm only speaking from my experience from when I was there. Um, but being 
a little different and a horror fan and stuff was not the best um, in a small town. Mm. I was very, very lucky to have a, a really solid group of friends. Otherwise, I think my life up there would have been complete torture. But I, I definitely um, got out as soon as I could. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah. And not to Calgary. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine there is a lot of open horror fans living in Alberta, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I think there's a little there's a little niche now. Oh, you know, but like I, when I was living up north, it was because like living in Dawson Creek is pretty much living in Alberta. Uh, we were like uh, like a forty minute drive from the Alberta border, so okay, it it's pretty much the same as living up in in Alberta and I think there's always a niche. Uh I had one friend there that I used to watch every horror movie imaginable with. We would pick them by the cover. We'd go to the video store cuz it was in the 90s and mm-hmm. just pick the most obnoxious cover we could find and and watch it and it was wonderful, but you know, I think there's a lot of things about myself that I kept to myself for a long time. And it wasn't until I moved down here that I was able to actually, like, open up and be 100% who I was. So, yeah. I love hearing that. Vancouver Mm -hmm. is not necessarily as progressive as I would like it, but a lot more progressive than (laughs) a lot of other Canadian places. I agree. We will get there wholeheartedly one day. The racism needs to tone down a bit here. Oh my goodness, does it ever? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the last few years haven't been good for any of that kind of thing either. But I think it's bringing a lot of stuff to light that needed to come to light too, so. Yep, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. So do you have anything up and coming you want to kind of tell everybody about? Any... This is time for you to sell yourself. Tell us. Tell us about you and what you, where people should go look for your stuff and anything. Um, well, I, I obviously follow me on Instagram. It's Assassin Slaughter Artistry. That, that would be wonderful because I'm going to be hopefully just doing a huge change up of my portfolio over the next few months and getting some more special effects on there and... Um, transitioning a little bit more into like the thriller horror genre that I've been hoping to. I also have some really great films coming up with, uh, we like to call ourselves our film family because we've all been working together for a few years now. So I have a film coming up with Whitehall Entertainment that I'm really excited about. Um, But then my most current film that I'm working on right now is a film called Smile For Me. Um, I've been given permission to say a little bit about it on your podcast. So, um, my friend Colin, I actually worked with him, um, my first year out of school, uh, doing, I don't know if you know, the Run and Gun Festival. I've heard Um, of it. Yeah. So it's like a local, uh, they do two, usually two festivals a, a year. They do the Run and Gun, which is just like a 48 hour film festival or film competition. And then they also do Blood and Guts, which is the mm-hmm. same thing, but horror related. That one I know, <laughs> for <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> yeah, so it's run by the same guy. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Joel McCarthy was the one that uh, developed both of them. So I met Colin 
on my first run and gun. He was one of the actors in the film that we were doing, and he's actually written his first film um, and is producing it himself. And uh, it's he's uh, it's inspired by a short story that he found on Reddit, and it deals a lot with like mental health and anxiety and that fear of like somebody always watching you. Um, so <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's really uh, the script is really great. Um, their concept is really awesome. I, I'm so excited to develop their character for, the film. Um, yeah. So right now they're just in pre-production. They've got an Indiegogo campaign, um, going on, which I think by the time this airs will probably be finished. But, you know, if it's not check it out smile for me they're you know they're young filmmakers trying to put their vision out there so I always support that for sure mm-hmm. um yeah and then uh, I'm also uh, the third thing I'm doing in the next month is uh, crazy eights uh crazy eights film which is another Vancouver film competition but um they actually give you eight days to produce a film and wow. uh, I was, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, like, that sounds crazy. From start to finish. That... And, like <laughs> Eight days? Eight days. Eight days. Yeah. Um, so I just got hired onto a project there by um, one of the producers who I actually just worked on a feature with in November. So um, for anybody getting into film or in any aspect, you know, your work or your is your connections and when you're on set be kind anybody Mm. that you're meeting could be your next boss so i think that's like really important to know if for anybody that's getting into film good tips absolutely yeah 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 so that's really just the three things that i have going right now and then of course the studio is keeping me busy too so Wow. Well, I can't wait to check out definitely the movie, uh, the last one you were just talking about the thriller, but the crazy eights, I have to see what you come up with, with the the team that you're going to be doing in eight days. I'm telling you, I just, uh, I just read the script, um, a couple days ago and it's, it's good. (laughs) Oh, that's exciting. It's really good. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. I'm surprised you had time to take time out to do this with me today. Thank you. Oh, no problem. I I was very happy to do it. I've been following um, you for a while, too. You and um, Malevolent Mm. Productions. And I I love what you guys do. So I was was very honored when you asked for me to come on to your podcast. Oh, well, you're an easy fit to come on here for sure. Thank you. No problem. It's all about supporting each other, women supporting each other, especially in the small industry in Vancouver. And um, I'm not going to say a lot other than I'm, I'm going to be participating in this industry in some capacity (laughs) aside from what I have been doing, but that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My interest is peaked. <laughs> I hope everybody's interest is peaked. Yes. I'm yes. not supposed to be saying anything. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, that's one of the worst parts of two for like, oh, that didn't come through on you, did it? Which part? Oh, I just got a notification. Okay. 
Oh. It, it, it rang very loudly in my ears. Sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. What, what did it, is it from the, we can obviously yeah, cut I, this out. What did it say? I, it was just my computer. It was just like a ringing. Oh, strange. Yeah. yeah sorry about that. Nope. Nope. Um, All good. So let's yeah. now talk about your three favorite horror movies. And if you've listened to any of my other episodes or anyone out there knows that I this is a something I love to ask my guests. And I haven't been able to do this in a while. And it kills me because not only do I love hearing why people love these movies, uh-huh. but I love doing the, the, the deep dive into fun facts because... I had no idea about these facts about Lost Boys until I did these, this deep dive, and I'm so excited to share this stuff. Oh, I'm so excited, too. <laughs> so we have to launch into, yeah, spoiler alert, Lost Boys yeah. is your first yeah. favorite. So I will say anybody that has not checked out these movies, and if you don't want any spoilers, because there may be spoilers... Um, now is the time to shut this off and go watch any of these three movies and then come back and l- listen to us discuss. We're going to talk about The Lost Boys, the original, The Exorcist, the movie, and then Candyman from 1992. So, why is Lost Boys in your top three? Lost Boys is my top, like, tippy top of of anything it's actually my favorite movie of all time it just luckily happens to be in the horror genre Mm -hmm. but um honestly i i could talk about this movie for hours um wow i really could it's just it i i think it was one of the first uh horror films that i watched when i was younger my mom was always really lenient with what we watched growing up she was a big horror fan herself um, and very much into like Halloween and everything like that. So uh, I just the only movie I wasn't allowed to watch was Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> um, but Halloween is okay. Yeah, that's yeah, so funny. So was the Lost Boys, and so you know all of those movies were fine. But because Silence of the Lambs could happen, that was her. That was her. Uh, mm. Her justification is because there was actually people like that out in the world that she didn't want me to be subjected to it. Fair enough. But, yeah. So, for The Lost Boys, I think the first time I watched The Lost Boys, I was probably, like, nine or ten. And I was just, like, hooked on it from the very, like, everything about it. You know, the aesthetic, um, the obvious part of me being a preteen, and all of those very handsome men. Oh. Um, You know, and my poor little brother was two years old and I used to come home from school and put the VHS tape in the, you know, on the player every day after school. And he was two and I babysat him. So he watched it every day to the point where like he could, he can recite it now, like word for word. Um, that's hilarious. A two year old. That's a two year old. A two year old. Um, but just everything about it, the cast, I mean, the cast was phenomenal. Like, mm-hmm. the Corys and Kiefer Sutherland and Diane Weist and, like, Jamie Gertz, I mean, also my first female crush, you know? Oh. Like, Ooh, I know. It was just everything about it. Um, I think growing up in the early 90s, we were still very much, I mean, we're still part of the 80s there, right? So mm-hmm. um, I just remember looking up to 
all of them, like, I would have looked up to, like, older siblings. Um, but, I mean, there's also the special effects in it. Like, you know, uh, V. Neal, who is my favorite special effects artist, female special effects artist, um, she was head of department for The Lost Boys, and... I mean, she pioneered vampire makeup. Like, there's a lot of vampire shows now, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, all of those um, later vampire shows, later vampire mi- movies mirrored a lot of what V. Neil did for makeup in that film. Mm. Um, and then it was also, I think, one of the only movies where I just really realized I wanted to do something kind of like dark with my life like the gore in it I was so fascinated but like watching through your fingers fascinated at 10 with some of the parts um specifically the initiation part where they're in the woods at the fire and Mm -hmm. I remember watching the scene where like the vampire like tore the flesh off of the guy's scalp and just being so like terrified but also intrigued by how you would do that you know because I knew it wasn't real but it was like how do you make that happen and I think that was probably my first real thoughts about the behind the scenes aspect of film and and wanting to learn more about it oh so Mm -hmm. of course that's a pivotal film for you then yeah yeah and I mean it's funny it's it's such a great movie yeah, I would be challenged to see if anybody doesn't like this movie. Yeah, yeah. It, I agree with you. It's awesome. I mean, I would fight anybody who said they didn't like this movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, in doing the deep dive, too, it's um, the cast is, like you said, they're good actors. They're not mm-hmm. cheesy, but it is a cheesy movie at times. Yeah. But the acting, yeah. it's not done in a way where you're cringing you're you're really it leans into the cheese and you enjoy it yeah yeah so some fun facts and you probably already know these but um some of these blew my mind so this first one's a little bit longer so bear with me as i read what i wrote here okay so this movie takes place in santa carla which is a fictitious town based on santa cruz Mm -hmm. and they refer to Santa Carla as, you know, the city with the world's highest murder rate. The and murder so, capital of the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, the town, Santa Cruz didn't want to be known as the, the town with the highest murder rate because there was some gruesome murders that had actually happened in Santa Cruz. Oh. And so... It's, let me see here. In the 70s, the town was a site of a series of grisly and random killings. And so you can Google it if you want to, anybody listening. Um, It was far too much for me to copy and paste and put it in here. But um, uh, Edmund Kemper, if anyone's ever heard of Kemper as a serial killer, he existed in Santa Cruz. and then there was John Lindley Frazier, who did some grotesque, gruesome things to families, including children. He would tie them up and like ritually sacrifice them. And 
and then another serial killer named Herbert Mullins. So I guess because Santa Cruz hadn't been referred to as the murder capital of the world, they didn't want to be referred to it in a movie, even though they were, I guess, the murder capital at one time. That's so I crazy. I had no idea. No I idea. completely forgot that Kemper was from Santa Cruz. Yeah. Like, completely forgot. That's yeah. nuts. And that's where they filmed it. But I guess now when people think of Santa Cruz, they think of Lost Boys. And so mm-hmm. the city itself is <laughs> pleased with that kind of reference over being known as the murder capital. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't blame them. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you just have to embrace the things that make you who you are. Right. Yes, I, I mean, we're, we're from here, and we had Robert Picton, and that's just unfortunately a reality. Yeah, that really is. Yeah. I tried reading the, the book, actually, and I had to kind of put it down at one point. It's pretty intense. For is anybody listening, yeah. For anybody listening, Rob, you can Google Robert Picton for some true crime. It's real, and it happened here. And uh, he had his pigs eating parts of the bodies on his pig farm. Lovely. Anyways, mm-hmm. back to the Lost Boys. Another fun <laughs> fact: Ben Stiller auditioned to be a Lost Boy. Oh my goodness! Can you imagine? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Just too pretty. He's too yeah. pretty. Yeah. I. I mean, we're not like, or maybe not pretty enough. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe. He's definitely no Kiefer. No. Speaking no. of Kiefer, so he is wearing black gloves primarily throughout the entire film. I guess there's very few scenes where you see him without those. Mm-hmm. That's because he broke his wrist midway through filming. And what? so they had, yeah, they had to put these black gloves on him. Again, Man, I gotta say, actors are troopers. Oh, Like, I don't think people really understand what they go through for their craft. And like, as somebody who sees it firsthand, they are troopers. Well, especially like, anybody that's been terrorized. Un, un, I shouldn't say unintentionally. Like, Stanley Kubrick was very well known ugh. for doing that to his to his actors. I yeah. I mean, not not to terrorize them, but also to terrorize them, to evoke this emotion. and Yeah, like with Shelley Duvall. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even, even in The Exorcist, as we'll get into... Um, the director was shooting off real guns and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. it's, they to do keep this. them like on their toes. Yeah. 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 So I agreed. They really, really, the ones who, who become and embrace their character and live that way. Mm-hmm. And then they're able to be put into those kind of situations. Kudos. And you know, like a lot of the times too, like the actors, people think that they get catered to a lot, but like, you know, they pay their dues. Like, I was just on a film recently, and the conditions were not great. And I tell you, the actors didn't have any better conditions than what we did. You know, they were eating cold food right along with us, and no heat, and like, you know, it's it's for the love of the film. Always. Oh, yeah. 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 Always. Uh, the last fun fact I found out about this one, I mean, there was tons, <laughs> but uh, the one I, I wanted to mention was that the vampire contact lenses were so painful that the actors could only wear them for a few seconds at a time. Oh, I couldn't imagine contacts back then. No, 
No, especially like those. Horrible. They were like, <laughs> they look really thick and, and they were yellow. So I, ugh. Yeah. And so there's the scene where David captures Sam before being burned by a beam of sunlight. And apparently mm-hmm. there's a tear going down his, his cheek. It's a yeah. genuine tear because those lenses hurt him so much. Really? Yeah. I thought that tear looked real. Did look real. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> makes me oh. makes me shake. Eyeballs yeah, yeah. are not something to to play around with. No, they're not. And and like like I said, contacts are aren't that great now. I couldn't imagine what they were like in the eighties. Yeah. You know, or in the seventies because it was the same with the Exorcist too. Yeah, I can't. No, no, they would yeah. have been so thick and hard. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's a beautiful segue into The Exorcist. This is the next one on your list. Yes. So Um, tell me your why. So The Exorcist was one of the first movies that I remember hearing about from an adult. And my mom was, I mean, my mom was obviously alive when The Exorcist came out. And she saw it in the theater when it first came out. And at the time she was living in... uh, the Kootenays, which um, is beautiful, but at the time it was very spread out, and her and my aunt had to walk miles in the dark to get back to their house, and she said it was the most terrifying experience ever. And I don't know if it was her story and then watching the film that made it just like twice as scary for me, mm. but there was a time when I couldn't watch The Exorcist at night I always watched it during the day because it scared me so bad and um, I mean even now it's probably one of the only movies that's ever scared me the third is the one we're going to talk about next but um, yeah it was just the the idea of possession um, has always kind of really terrified me Um, and I know a lot of people have different views about possession and that you have to believe for it to happen and all that kind of stuff. But man, it's, it's some scary stuff. I think. I agree with you. It feels, I don't know. Every time I watch any movie to deal with the possession, I almost feel like I'm summoning them to come and opening that door, like come and come into me, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) which is not what I want. (laughs) <laughs> no, no. And, and it's funny because, like, you'll dab, like, I mean, especially with, with what you do, like, you dabble with it in art and stuff like that. But, like, I find myself, anytime that I do something a little bit too creepy, I'm just like, okay, like, whoever's listening right now, this is just for makeup. <laughs> like, <laughs> not an open invitation. <laughs> this is not an open invitation. I, I do not want this. Um, yeah, so... I mean, obviously, now that I'm older, there's other things about The Exorcist that really intrigues me. I just watched a like a documentary, partial documentary about Dick Smith and his makeup effects that he did for the film, um, and a lot of the things that were done on The Exorcist were done for the first time on The Exorcist. Um, wow. So that's really intriguing to me, like the, you know, like using rigs to make the the vomit scenes and you know the dummy that they used for reagan for the 360 head spin all of that stuff was very new technology then and i mean obviously now it's just like 
people don't think about it anymore but like when you go back to the exorcist like that was like that was dick smith pioneering um the industry so it just that that really interests me now more than the film itself but i still love the film yeah Mm -hmm. well i mean and also the practical effects are beyond incredible in this movie they're incomparable i agree yeah yeah We'll see what they do with the new one. They're probably going to butcher it with CGI. Uh, I I am on a very big hate for remakes right now. Yeah, don't blame <laughs> you. <laughs> Although, uh, Candyman. Woo! Uh, you know... You didn't I like it, the hey? original. I prefer the original, for sure. I liked where for they... Sure. I liked the direction they went with the new one, because it was not a remake. Yeah. And it was a different take on a sequel, which I loved. That's fair. Yeah, I can get on board with that. But anyways, we will discuss Candyman next. So some fun facts about The Exorcist. And again, these are things I did not know. Mm -hmm. So simple one like Stanley Kubrick turned down directing the film. I had no idea he was going to be a contender. Man, I gotta say I'm a little glad he didn't take it. Yeah, it's... (laughs) It would have been a very different movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay, another long one, which I, again, found this out as I was reading this, and this gives me shivers. So there was a real-life suspected serial killer in this movie. His name was Paul Bateson, who was a real-life x-ray technician, and he played the role of the radiologist assistant in the scene where Regan is having a carrot... I don't know if I can say this right. Carotid angiography. <laughs> so he, he was this x-ray technician in real life, and he was hired on to play this role. Well, <laughs> he was arrested for homicide in 1979, and he met a film critic who had sex with him and he proceeded to bash his skull in with a skillet. Then he boasted about killing other men while awaiting trial, claiming that he did it for fun and dumped their bodies in the Hudson's river. Authorities suspected him of being a serial killer and that he'd been targeting gay men in 1977 and 1978, wrapping them up and chopping up their remains in plastic bags. They were known as the bag murders. It's as though they had a confession. They couldn't link any evidence to his claim. He was sentenced for 20 years and became a free man in 2004. Oh my God. That's mm-hmm. crazy. So that's not, to me, that's not a suspected serial killer. That is no, a self-professed that's a self yeah. serial killer. And yeah. he was in this movie. Just another dark element added to this movie. Yeah, because there was a lot of... Um dark elements surrounding that movie and and stuff that happened to the cast and everything afterwards well the craziest part to me that i had heard up until this part was that the whole house the set had burned down with the exception of regan's room yeah how would one room stay intact that's evil right there like it was too cold i mean they theorized that but apparently apparently it was uh the cold machines hadn't been on for a significant amount of time at that point yeah so i i it's it's all very eerie to me very very Mm -hmm. very eerie yeah and see that's why i think that's why that movie to this day is still terrifying just because not only was the movie itself just like what it is but there's so much lore 
surrounding the movie. And I think you feel that when you're watching it too, you know, like, yeah, I agree. You can feel yeah. the weird energy. Mm-hmm. I know. That's crazy about that, that technician guy. Cause I remember being creeped out by him when I watched the movie. Oh, I'm still going back and watching it now that I know this. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I gotta see it. Cause I hated that part. That part of the movie freaked me out. Cause like medical stuff, freaks me out as it is yeah and uh yeah just that whole that whole part kind of kind of weirded me out so Ah. i think i'm gonna have to rewatch it too just to see the the serial killer the big murders that's crazy Uh, another fun fact i found out so linda blair secured the role having Mm -hmm. defeated five other 500 other actresses which in itself is awesome but apparently they felt that they were never going to find the right child actress, and they considered auditioning adult dwarves. But that was proving to be a challenge at that time. Yeah. And then Linda Blair came in. Can you imagine, at that point, 500 actresses, children actresses, did not work. So they yeah. were going to go to adult dwarves, and then they found Linda Blair. That's just so impressive. I love it. And she did such a great job in the film, too. Oh yeah. Well, I, she was she was a kid, and she was getting death threats. Can you yeah. imagine? Yeah, that's crazy for doing a movie. Yeah, that is crazy. I just I I just watched the like the making of the Dick Smith making of, and I remember them him even talking about Linda Blair and being like, "How am I going to make this sweet child look the way that she needs to look for this part?" And they were talking about how they did six different test makeups on Reagan before getting to the one that they use now or they used in the film i should say um so that was pretty interesting for me totally well i mean that i don't i i should look up but i don't know how many hours did she have to sit in the makeup chair (laughs) you know probably a lot probably a lot yeah yeah, that's what I would imagine. They didn't talk much about the makeup chair, other than her being creeped out to sit beside her dummy all the time. I really heard yeah. that. I would be creeped out too, <laughs> right? Well, especially if people are getting killed on the set. Like, yeah, I'd be like, yeah. no, 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 you need to go into another room. And I remember they they I read in an article a few years ago that they were talking about how um, unrealistic unreali- the dummy looked, and I don't know if you actually saw that dummy, like. They always said that the only reason it worked in the film was because of the lighting, but any photos that I've seen of Reagan and the dummy together... It looks real. Like, it looks real. It looks like, like her. I, I yeah. know. I agree yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, it's so creepy. Uh, the last fun fact that I did not know about this, so the role of Father Dyer was played by a real-life priest, William O'Malley. Mm-hmm. He was a real-life priest. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, interesting. And then that, not last but not least, we've got Candyman from 1992. Yeah. So talk to us about this one. So when I first watched Candyman, um, it was during the time of my life where like I was going to a lot of sleepovers. I was 12, and the Bloody Mary thing was very predominant. Um, in 1992, 1990s in general, it was something that you always did at ber- or sleepover parties. And it scared me so bad. Like, I'd say probably most of the sleepovers that I had to, I went to, I probably had to get taken home 
because I refused to participate. Like, I was so scared, again, about opening any doors or, you know, I didn't want to play with Ouija boards. I just believed in that stuff so much. I mean, I, and I do now even, um, obviously, but I believed in it so much even as a child that I didn't want to tempt fate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember watching Candyman and not really knowing what it was gonna, what it was going into. Um, obviously, as a kid, you just don't know what you're getting into when you watch any film. And then the whole thing surrounding how you had to say his name five times in a mirror, that was just automatically for me. That's going right black to Bloody Betty. Or not Bloody Betty. Another good topic, though. Bloody um, Mary. Bloody Mary. <laughs> <laughs> um, went right back to that Bloody Mary scenario for me. And it just, it terrified me. Like, that movie, ter- like... I wouldn't say today. I could watch it today and it's fine, but that movie scared me for years. It wasn't just like a, oh, it scared me when I was a kid. It actually scared me for years, and there's a lot of elements in it that scared me. Like, I'm terrified of bees, so um, that didn't help. And then Tony Todd, obviously, is one of the most terrifying people. Um, His voice and his stature and, like, everything about him and what he brought to that character um was just it was just a great film and i know that it's dated and i know that like when you watch it now it's like you can tell that was made in the late 80s early 90s right but it's just there's something so iconic about it obviously because it you know it it deserved a remake but um yeah i just i love it i love it i like that it brought you know, racial issues to light in a time when they weren't really being talked about. And I like that they did it in such a way that it was, it was known, but it wasn't in your face known. Um, which I think is important to me for a lot of symbolism and stuff in film. I think it needs to make you think a lot of films these days, I feel like it's just too much in your face and it doesn't, cause you after the fact to sit down and be like oh like I want to think about this for a few extra minutes right Mm -hmm. Um, yeah quick gratification yeah yeah Yeah. exactly yeah I agree with you yeah well it's interesting that you say that so some facts that I did not again did not know so first the film is based on a short story by Clive Barker called The Forbidden Mm -hmm. and in this uh, story Candyman is written as a pale skinned man with long blonde hair and brightly colored patchwork clothes. So, so the, like Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat? Yeah. <laughs> well, so the director who adapted the story felt that making the character a black man descended from slaves would add to the underlying social commentary of this mm-hmm. movie. And it's like amazing. I'm so glad that that happened because I think part of, of the scare of Candyman is this black man's large stature. Like he's a Tony Todd, like you said, is a big guy. He's a big guy. Yeah. And it also adds this element of um, empathy or sympathy, I should say that you have for Candyman because he was a slave in the way that he was treated. If the story would just not be impactful if it was a white man with long blonde hair and clown looking clothing i don't know it just wouldn't have been the same it would have been laughable yeah i don't think it would have been 
It no. probably would have stayed on the cutting room floor, to be honest. Probably. Yeah. I know. I The director, good, good for you for, for making that switch. Especially, like yeah. you said, in a time when, you know, racism wasn't talked about the way that it should have been. And... No. I'm, I'm just, I'm, what I'm looking forward to in the future right now, especially with Canada, is the Indigenous Lives Matter movement. And mm-hmm. it's, I really hope this is going to open the door for a lot of this social commentary coming to light. Yeah. I mean, Jordan Peele is killing it with the, with the black social commentary. And yeah, somebody needs to step forward. With the, the indigenous, indigenous yeah. yep. Well, I know yeah. that they did Blood Quantum, and I haven't been able to get through it yet. It's mm-hmm. just the pacing of it slow. Yeah, <laughs> but I do want to watch it. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't actually. No. Um, so two more small fun facts is Virginia Madsen and Tony Todd studied ballroom dancing and fencing together to enhance their romantic connection. Oh really? Hey. <laughs> Who oh. knew? Who, Who knew, knew that would ex- enhance a romantic connection? Well, it's funny because they were really getting into um, how this is a, a romance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like a very sensual love story between these two characters, which, yeah. I mean, I can understand why, where that thought process comes from. I don't take away <laughs> at the end of Candyman that it was a romantic love story. <laughs> No, no, but it was there. There were elements, yeah. Exactly. So it's neat to see that they went through that together because maybe they just had zero connection. Who knows? Um, She she was very short compared to him. It's true. (laughs) It's true. Uh, And the last thing I found out, which I thought was very cool, is the director, Bernard Rose, learned how to hypnotize... And so they actually hypnotized Virginia Madsen in some of the scenes. Oh, really? Yep. And it said she was uh, fully aware that it was going to be happening and gave her consent. So she is hypnotized in while while that movie was being filmed in some scenes. Isn't that crazy? crazy? I know. That's really crazy. What is your take on hypnotism? Huh. That's a really interesting question. I don't know enough about it. I'm skeptical. But at the same time, I do think that um, it it, it would be the same realm almost as as being open to being possessed by a demon. You know, it's just, it's, do you have the capacity to have your, so to speak, inner brain or your third eye open enough to accept anything like this? Mm -hmm. How about you? Yeah, no, I feel the exact same way. I'm skeptical. But then on the other hand, like I said, like the, the thought of opening up any world, like when I think about, um, if I was to be really into the hypnotism thing and like believing it, I think I would think more of like how insidious works, you know, like the film insidious where you're bringing things from the other side in your sleep world, in your dream world when you're hypnotized. So I think that would, that part of it would scare me. And I probably, yeah, no, wouldn't do it. (laughs) Even being skeptical, wouldn't do it. My concern with hypnotism is this power of um, suggestion 
And mm-hmm. it's just like, what if they got in there and they said the wrong thing and it triggered some weird memory you had? And then, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a bit scary. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen too many hypnotisms go awry in films <laughs> that I just don't think. Like, I mean, look at us. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> I love that's my second favorite movie. It's so that's a great good. movie. It's so good. Yeah. Oh. That was a really just everything that he did with that. I was really excited to hear that he was starting in horror films anyways. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, he knocked that out of the park. Oh, hundred well, get out was amazing. Us was amazing. And anything he's produced has been really, really, really good. Yeah. You I know just what? I meant to say get out when I was talking about us and the hypnotism. Oh, yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Gotcha. Um, I was really excited to find out that he is doing, redoing People Under the Stairs. He is? Yes, apparently. Oh, I wonder. I wonder. Mm-hmm. I, I love that film. Um, it's so cheesy. I just, yeah. I love it. It's very, very, very representative of the 80s. Oh, it so is. Yeah, very cheesy. But yeah, it's yeah. it's funny and entertaining, and if anyone can nail it, it'll be him. Yeah, I'd like to see what he would, I, I yeah, what he would do with that, for sure. Agreed. I just, I can't wait for his new one, Nope, to come out. I, he still hasn't said anything about it. I was going to say, I haven't heard anything about that movie yet. The only thing I know is, um, oh, who did he cast? I think he cast Daniel, how do you say his last name? K- K- Hold on. From Get Out? Oh, I, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce his Kayuk, name. Uh, am I saying that right? Hold on. Daniel K- Kaluuya. And then Barbie Ferreira is in it from mm-hmm. Euphoria. Oh, I haven't seen Euphoria You haven't seen yet. Euphoria. If anybody's no. listening, it's uh, she's the curvy girl, the big girl. I've heard very, very good things about Euphoria, though. I'm excited to start it. Yeah, I just watched the newest episode today, actually. It's, um, different. It's different. Okay. It is different, yeah. And Zendaya, am I saying her name right? Zendaya, right? That's how you say it? Do you know who I'm talking about? I do know who you're talking about, but I'm, yeah. I'm so used to reading names that I don't know. Yeah, you don't know how to say them. I know I'm the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I feel like my dialogue in my head is way different than what comes out of my mouth. <laughs> I totally get that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but she kills it in her role because she's um, a drug addict. And it's interesting to see someone pretty like her playing a rough. She's pretty rough in it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's neat. But uh, yeah, all I know about the, the nope one is that um, I think it's alien related. Oh. Which, horror and alien oh i'm so down for that 100 yeah. percent. i know anything yeah. he does just like amazing amazing yeah you know even even his quote-unquote like i hate this word but flops mm-hmm. are good in a sense where you can see where his creative vision is always yeah. you know and how how dedicated he is to every little detail and just the way his films are done they're they're very artistic oh yeah it's art to him you know totally and it's yeah anybody that's um like a horror addict would Mm -hmm. you can feel his horror love coming out when you're watching his oh yeah a hundred percent it's not just like a a job for him yeah 
it's a love it's a yeah. passion yeah. yeah agreed well thank you so much for being here today vicky this has been great thanks for having me oh no problem and tell re- reiterate again where people can find you um, I think the best place is probably Instagram. I don't do the Facebook thing very often. So my Instagram is uh, Assassin Slaughter Artistry. And then go check out Vicky's work because it's so fun to watch. So, so many interesting things to look at. And, uh, and there's going to be new stuff coming soon. Woohoo! I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to see.